Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to the post-preseason game number one Purple Podcast. For you fans of alliteration out there, Matthew Collar with you, along with Judd Zolged, who is nestled cozily on his couch to discuss this game which kept us on the edge of our seats. Right, Judd? I always forget how putrid preseason football truly is, Matthew, until I'm forced to watch it. (laughs) It was not one of the most exciting preseason games of my life. Although, I'm not sure that I could actually remember what the most exciting preseason game of my life is. So maybe it's uh, we just quickly forget them as soon as we move on. But with this one, there were a few things that stuck out for us to talk about. And let us begin with the first team offense, Judd, which uh, I think it would be polite to say didn't do much. Boy, Matthew, does this sound familiar to you? Five of seven. So the completion percentage is pretty good, right? Completed five of seven passes. Only they were for 35 yards, and his longest completion went for nine yards. And oh, by the way, he was sacked twice. Uh, and the, the first sack, uh, a, a, the highly paid Mike Remmers at right tackle got worked really badly. So I know I'm known as panic, okay? So <laughs> I want to make, make this very clear. I understand they played the first team offense, for the most part, played three series together. So it says nothing. But I can guarantee you the head coach and offensive coordinator won't be pleased. And I think what it did say is you can work all you want in the offseason. You can do your, I believe it was 12 days of training camp. Uh, but this is going to come down to this remains very much a work in progress. We are not go- I don't think we're going to see a, a light switch flipped for this offense. I think we still need to see plenty of work from it. Now, I wouldn't worry too much about what the numbers were, but with Mike Remmers getting worked, he not only gave up a sack, but he got crushed on that sack, and mm-hmm. he gave it up to an undrafted player out of Wyoming, I think, or Montana, or somewhere like that. I mean, this yeah. this was yeah. he did not give it up to one of the NFL sack leaders, which was the way that it looked. It was, I don't know if he lost focus on the play or just didn't take the other guy seriously enough, but he almost got his quarterback killed by someone who wasn't even drafted, and Remmers is the guy that you go out and get. And we've talked about this before, that in run, in the run-blocking game, Remmers is pretty good, but in pass protection, you would know him from watching the Vikings eat him up 
uh, last year when they yep. played Carolina. So this yep. is this is not a player that I think they could feel that confident in. And this and the thing to me too is is this uh, the the one the one positive probably miracle of 2016 collar was that Sam Bradford played all 16 games right? right so I mean it's absolutely imperative 15 that that or yes 15 but he didn't get hurt right. and my point is it's absolutely imperative that he receives uh, adequate to above that protection because he's had enough injury problems throughout his career that I don't trust it. So, yeah, this just let's just say this wasn't exact. This wasn't the start that I would have liked to have seen. If you take away the two sacks, I guess I'm not impressed, but I'm also not saying, ooh. But when you add in two sacks, uh, three series, which I think is probably one more series than the head coach would have liked to play those guys, I think he threw them back out there because he was disgusted for that third uh, series. But no matter what the case was, you just said to yourself, okay, this this is still going to take some time. Pat Schumer's got some work to do, and so does Sam, probably. And we saw a lot of Delvin Cook, but almost nothing of Stephon Diggs or Adam Thielen, which tells you, I mean, those guys are going to be a big part of the offense when they're playing real games. But yep. Delvin Cook got nine touches in three drives, and we saw him catch the ball, which is what Vikings fans want to see, and one of the reasons that I think he can be very valuable to this team. And a couple of runs that had some patience to them. One particular six-yard run was pretty good, and then a couple that got stuffed without very good run blocking. But I thought Cook had a nice start. It wasn't some magical, explosive moment, but I mean, we won't ever really remember that this preseason game happened for him anyway. So I think you Correct. walk away saying, yeah, okay, Delvin Cook looked like he could play in the first time he got out there. I would say uh, the only uh, drawback I saw to him tonight was on sack two. He's got, he, he, I don't know if he got confused or what, but on the second sack, um, the lineman got beat. The guy is coming at his quarterback, and he sort of has a decision to make, which is a snap one. And he decides, I'm going to try and go out for a pass. It's like Delvin, no, no, no. In the, in this league at that point, stay in there and pass protect. So that was the o- only drawback I saw. But but you know what he did? He can go out on routes. He can catch the ball. And that is, that is and we've talked about this a ton, Collar. But if he can do that consistently, that is going to be a bonus. I I just think this whole thing, because we go into preseason and we've heard what we've heard all the offseason talk, right? The training camp talk and everyone gets excited. I think this just served as another reminder that we probably all need to slow down a bit, be patient, but you do definitely at some point in time, I would say by preseason game three, you'd at least like to see some tangible improvements uh, from that first team offense where it, it, where it gives you a little bit more confidence. Yeah, I agree. And on the other side of the ball, Trey Wayans goes down on the first throw in his direction. Not a yeah. guy who's been injury-prone, really, uh, but a, a bad break there, and he was pretty quickly downgraded to out, which does not make you feel all that good about where they stand now with corner. And this is something that we have mentioned multiple times during the off season. We have said, hey, uh, if a cornerback goes down, now you're asking a lot from – Terrence Newman here, and I, I don't know what the injury is, how long it's going to keep Trey Wayans out, and they really don't like to tell us that stuff. But if he is out for any significant portion of time, I feel like they have to go out and find somebody. Right shoulder was was what they announced, I guess. And they said he, that, and this is, I don't know if this is because it was hot there or because he, he was hurt. They, they said he was also throwing up on the sideline, which probably is not a good thing. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this is this comes back to what? It comes back to what we've talked about which is depth. And 
if Trey Waynes uh, cannot consistently start this year because of either A, performance, or B, he's hurt, that becomes a big story because, as you just said before, it's not like you got a ton of depth. And I go back to what we've talked about a lot, too, which is Terrence Newman is going on 39 years old. And in this league, I don't think it's fair to count on a guy going on 39 Mm -hmm. uh, to be a consistent starter and be effective. Now, he might be, and if he is, that's a bonus. But 39 in this league, that position, that is an old, old man. Yeah, I wonder if they will try to give Brandon Flowers a call now or if they will try to sign Leon Hall. I wonder if... If, if they get any sort of bad diagnosis on this with Trey Wayans, that they will go right out to the free agent market and get somebody else. And I, I think they should anyway, because yes. Newman, at his age, I think can still play, but I don't think he could play every single snap. That's a lot to ask. He did miss one game last year. And actually, Trey Wayans started more games than Terrence Newman did last year. Uh, yes. Trey Wayne started nine games last season, so he was playing just as much or more on that side as Terrence Newman. They were mixing in and out throughout the year, and and, and so you kind of counted on that to happen again with hope that Wayans would take more of that responsibility. In the night practice the other night, Wayans played almost all the snaps, which made you think, yeah, maybe things are trending that way if he's having a, a good training camp here. Him going down... Again, no idea how long that's going to be, but it should shock them maybe into, hey, the next man up here isn't very good or isn't experienced at all. I don't, I'm not sure what you would do if, if Newman struggled. Would you have to move Mackenzie Alexander outside and Anton Exum into your starting oh. nickel? I mean, you, right? Now you're, now you're talking about a pretty rough scenario. And yes. I think it would be much better if they were able to bring in a Leon Hall who can play in almost any position. I haven't heard what Leon Hall's, or I haven't read what Leon Hall's situation is. If he wants to play still, he's a Mike Zimmer guy from the Cincinnati days and had a pretty good performance last year with a great New York Giants defense. So even if it's not him, maybe looking around the league to see if there's any other free agents to bring in tonight, I think should make you say, okay, we probably need one of those guys because the rest of those backups are not really ready to play. Um, Colored, you've got 90-man rosters, okay? So here's the thing. There, it's not going to hurt you to add depth at cornerback, veteran depth, at cornerback and tackle. It's yeah. just not going to hurt you. I mean, there's worst-case scenario, the guy comes in and he's not good and you cut him, but at least you've got potential veteran backups there. All right, moving on to the uh, very nice performance tonight of Stacy Coley, Judd. I think if we were naming an MVP of this uh, wonderful evening, it would be... <laughs> it, God help us. It, it was really, like, I wrote this on Twitter. The highlights of the game were Everson Griffin really dominating Chantrell Henderson on one play, Stacy yeah. Coley's 38-yard catch toward the end zone, and the dog that they showed on the broadcast. I, I mean, that was a cute. That was a cute it was a, dog. It was a very, very cute dog. The play-by-play guy obsessed with it, that dog, but it was a cute dog. I too was obsessed with that dog. But the dog guy, Stacy Coley, very much. But Stacy Coley made a great uh, catch. He also had another catch uh, where he was able to scamper for some yards after uh, making the reception. He had a decent punt return where he showed a little bit of patience and got six or seven yards where maybe not much was there. I thought it was a really good night for a guy that had stood out in camp and was name-dropped by Mike Zimmer as someone who was in the lead for a depth spot. 
Now, so, and that position too intrigues me because that, that performance becomes very important because the depth there also is going to be a key part of the competition. I mean, there's a lot of bodies there, right, Collar? There's mm-hmm. a lot of, of viable candidates. And, and I think standing out in tonight's game, if, if you were to ask me, okay, where does it matter in preseason one game if a guy, if a guy played well? Receiver comes to mind pretty quickly, right? Yeah. Oh, sure. Uh, and 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 the guy who I believe you picked for your uh, Mister Mankato. Let's not talk guy, about that. And a guy who and a guy who looked good according to you, and I believe you in training camp practices. Isaac Frickty uh, was targeted twice, didn't catch a ball. So and had Coley, I, it, two drops, I think, on both ones that came his way. Or okay. if not, maybe I think he probably deserves another target to be listed because I think he had two drops and then another one was tossed his way. Maybe it, there was a penalty on it and it didn't officially count, but he had a really poor night trying to catch the so, ball. So in Coley's case, when, when you look at, at the, uh, the the guys who caught passes tonight and see uh, Cook and Sankey, uh, two of the backs caught four apiece to lead the team, and then Coley caught three for 67 yards, which led the team a 22.3-yard average, and as you said, a 38-yard long. That's that's a that's a really good night, and I think it's meaningful, too. I, I think it's not something where you say, oh, that's cool. I think that is something where, where in the morning when the team – uh, watches this tape, it actually makes a difference, and it definitely gives him some type of advantage in this competition. Yeah, he had one down play where it was clear that he and Case Keenum were not on the same page, and I saw on the broadcast showed uh, Stefan Diggs talking to Coley after that play, but the rest of the night he was really good, and Case Keenum was quite good. It was off to a little bit of a rough start, but he... Are you shocked up, by this? Yeah, well, a little, because he had a really <laughs> bad Mankato. I mean, I, mm-hmm. we were sitting there going, should they be calling other quarterbacks? Like, I mean... Is there anybody from the Arena League who can come in? The night practice, both guys were really poor, but then Case Keenum went out and looked like an NFL quarterback, and he went 11 for 16, 121 yards. The throw to Coley is a big-time throw. That was like, yes. that was an yeah, was NFL nice throw. throw on the run to the corner. I mean, that was a that was a great play and leads the touchdown drive. So I think Case Keenum tonight, especially with how poorly Taylor Heineke played, took a yes. huge jump ahead of Heineke in that race. That is so. So, what do you think is more important, what Keenum showed tonight, or what Heineke showed? Because that interception he threw oh. was the height of irresponsibility. Every, if you go back and watch that pick, just about everything he does is what they tell you not to do. And then the worst part is, after that one, if I'm not mistaken, on the next series he takes a sack, and in that case it's it's like, Taylor, throw the ball away. Now don't throw a dumb pass, but throw the ball away. So uh, basically in back-to-back series he gave you the blueprint for what a, what a young quarterback trying to impress his coaches doesn't want to do. And he gets a touchdown pass, but he threw into triple coverage and had the ball bounce up in the air and somebody else catch it for one of his completions. I mean, the throwing to Bucky Hodges on the run with three guys in his area was another irresponsible play. And I thought that both guys, you just couldn't have gone farther in each direction, that Heineke had a complete disaster of a night and Case Keenum looked like, Hey, I have been here before and done this a bunch of times. Keenum yep. certainly wasn't Peyton Manning out there, but he looked like he could run an NFL offense. And I guess 
maybe that's what happens. Maybe he gets in real games and starts reading defenses and can play a little. He's basically been like a 500 quarterback over the last couple of years. And if you have a backup, that's all you can really hope for. Um, anybody else to you stick out? I'll give you a couple of mine. Tayshawn Bauer had a sack and a handful of pressures too. And I also thought that Pat Elfline, even though he was playing second team, had a really good night, opened up a 14-yard run for Bishop Sankey where he got hurt, so they might be looking for another running back. And uh, he also plowed forward on the touchdown run by C.J. Ham. Those two guys uh, stood out to me as having pretty good nights. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's so hard, especially in trying to watch preseason games on TV, to actually uh, see interior line play and things like that. Uh, but, no, I just go back to, to the fact that, to me, if we were talking about the receiver competition, Coley looked really good. Uh, Floyd got two passes for 20 yards. Uh, you can see – I the fact that Michael Floyd is suspended for those first four games, Collar, is such a killer because if you could put him, with, which they won't do for now, with, with the first team, I'd love to see that. I would love to see – now, of course, this also um, – is predicated on the fact that I'd like to see Bradford receive the proper protection from his offensive line. But that being said, if that happened and you could plug Floyd in with that first team, I would really be curious because Floyd looks like he presents an option that right now doesn't necessarily exist there. Um, I, I was also intrigued by who didn't play tonight. Of course, Laquan Treadwell did not play, and I'm sorry, but I think that's a big deal. I think every game Laquan Treadwell, and I don't care if it's a preseason game, I don't care if it's a practice, with the type of year he's coming off of, I think every game Treadwell doesn't play or every practice or everything he misses, to me, is a big deal. Uh, McKinnon didn't play tonight. Uh, obviously, Latavius Murray didn't even travel. Riley Reef uh, didn't play as well. So I guess the one, I guess the thing that stands out to me is it's really too bad that Floyd is suspended to start the season because I'd like to see him with the first team. And while, for the most part, I think we can dismiss preseason games and who cares, when a guy like Laquan Treadwell can't play, it's a big deal. I 100% agree because this was a huge preseason and training camp for Laquan Treadwell, and now he's missed already one quarter of of that and also seven, eight days of practice yes. standing on the sideline. Yes. And if you're hurt, you're hurt, and you can't get back out there, but – Jarius Wright didn't do anything tonight, but in practice, he's been solid. He's been exactly what you think Jarius Wright would be, right? He's, mm -hmm. he's not making jumping catches over Xavier Rhodes for touchdowns, but when he's open, he's catching the ball, he's running to the right spots, and Sam Bradford had a lot to say about how much he liked working with Jarius Wright, which is kind of odd because they didn't uh, play a whole lot uh, last year together, only 11 catches for Jarius Wright. But right. basically, you're on the sideline while someone else is taking your job. And it's not like Laquan Treadwell was incredible in the practices before uh, he got hurt. He had made a couple of nice catches and then had a couple of days where he wasn't as good. And now you're looking at you know potentially losing your job to a veteran who's kind of been around and is, is much more reliable. Yes, I mean, but th that last word to me is absolutely the key word, right? Reliable. Mm -hmm. You have to be able – I mean, 
if Jarius Wright is a standout or if Jarius Wright is not, what you do have is a guy who, A, knows how to run the proper routes, which Treadwell didn't a, a year ago. And I guarantee you this coaching staff is not just saying, well, Laquan's going to come back. This coaching staff was saying, I'm sure going into camp, Laquan Treadwell has to be out there on on a consistent basis. And right now with the way things are going, he's not again. And you know what? If we were talking about a fifth-round pick from a couple of years ago, who cares, right? You'd probably cut him. Who cares? But we're talking about a guy who was a first-round pick. We're talking about a guy who you really thought was going to be a factor and now the discussion at some point in time, probably not yet, but at some point in time fairly soon, is going to turn to not only is this guy a bust, but if he can't be on the field, how the heck do you judge him? And the problem is when he does come back, it's not like he can play special teams. It's not like he's Cordero Patterson and can be used as a gimmick guy because he's such a good athlete. His only attribute is if he can run the right routes and catch the ball. And right now, nobody knows the answer to that. And the longer he's not on the field, the more that remains a mystery. And at some point in time, that's going to become a huge deal. Yeah, and you know that Jarius Wright can fill those four games and hold down the fort before Michael Floyd gets back. And I guess if you're Correct. the Vikings, maybe what you really hoped deep inside your soul was that Laquan Treadwell would have a fantastic camp, great preseason, and then you would say, well, Michael Floyd, it was nice to sign you, and you could play some, mm-hmm. but you know, you're not really needed that much. You can mix in. Uh, instead, now you're sitting here for the first four games, potentially, unless he comes back, and we'll see, but potentially you could be sitting here going, when is Michael Floyd coming back? We really need him as a part of this offense, and that is not what they hoped for. But the fact that they signed Michael Floyd alone, that they were that desperate to do that, I think tells you that they didn't believe in Laquan Treadwell, despite all the things that they said, and they wanted to have an insurance policy, and that's it. So we'll see if he ends up getting back on the field at practice this week and if he is going to play next week in preseason game number two. Any uh, final thoughts from you, Judd, from this game? I'm tr- that we'll-, well, I'm trying to – I'd like to end this podcast on some positives. Um, okay. And I'm, th- and, and I'm thinking really hard. It was a 17-10 because- preseason game. Oh, here it is. I've got it. I've got it. The positive is this. I was fearful the the Bills were going to tie the game and uh-huh. kick the ex and kick and, yes. and or actually pull within a point and kick the extra point and that we we were going to go into OT and before you tell me I'm crazy I'll tell you this in 2006 I covered a Cowboys Vikings preseason game in which Bill Parcells did exactly that <laughs> they played an entire overtime period and it ended in a tie so tonight's positive Vikings fans is that the Bills were unable to tie the score <laughs> or, or even have an opportunity to do so, and so we just got four quarters of bad football instead of a potential fifth one. I also think that uh, we had the excitement of getting the new replay system explained to us. That it looks was... like it's go- if it's going to move as fast as it did tonight, which I have some doubt about, but if it moves that fast now, I'm go- I'm all for it. I, I liked it a lot better. What I'm well, not, yeah, because you don't but, go in the hood and spend 20 minutes with some referee looking in the. If you can just come out there and you can have New York weigh in or whatever it is, and we can get decisions made quickly. It's just like with baseball, replays great if if it's done in a timely fashion. Yes, I'm with you. But here's what I'm not going to like is listening to broadcasts explain how it's different in week 16 where they'll still be saying, you know, this yeah. year it's different how they're doing it. That's, that's going to get all. It's like how they still explain that the yellow line is inexact. 
Like I, I got it. I got it in 2004 that the yellow line that. okay. is inexact. Thank okay, you. Okay, you're right. Right. Okay, well. You're absolutely uh, right. I'm done though. That's great. It. That's all I got. It's for great. You. It's great stuff. It was a preseason game, but we're exactly. uh, we're we're moving. <laughs> this is one step toward the actual season and real games. We're on happening. to Seattle, Matthew. So, yes, we are we're on, on to Seattle. Seattle. All right. Well, thanks, Judd. You have a wonderful rest of your night. All right. Talk to you later. And thank you all for listening to the Purple Podcast.